This episode is proudly sponsored by EverlyWell.com. Physician-approved lab testing made easy with results you can understand. Get at-home health tests that are private, fast, simple, and affordable. Take control of your health at EverlyWell.com. Give us one hour and we'll help you change the way you think about happiness. Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen is fresh, optimistic, and purpose-driven talk radio that promotes happiness from the inside out. Each week, Lisa spotlights trendsetters and change agents who offer sound emotional fitness tips for improving mental muscle tone and greater well-being. Guest experts include a diverse and proactive collection of the greatest thinkers and doers who are devoting their lives to creating a better world in which to live. Your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen, is a widely recognized applied positive psychology coach, author, documentary filmmaker, and lecturer specializing in the fields of sustainable happiness, mindfulness, and positive lifestyle management. Let's get to it. Here's Lisa. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio, broadcasting consciously prepared brain food from the beaches of Malibu, California. Each week, we explore the very serious business of happiness, sustainable well-being, and human flourishing. We are not talking about that annoying yellow smiley face. No, no, no. We are talking about something much deeper and critical to the success of humanity. Authentic happiness is not selfish, egotistical, or narcissistic. In fact, it is essential in order for humankind to thrive. Sustainable happiness is important because it not only elevates our own well-being locally, but also contributes to collective global flourishing. The achievement of a happy life is not only positively good for us, it is constructively good for those around us. In short, happiness matters. Happiness comes from the heart, and this show is most definitely all about the heart. All righty then, let's get to it. One of the things that we love talking about here at Harvesting Happiness is love, love and relationships. We all want it, we need it. It's part of the fabric of what makes us happy to be in good, connected, loving relationships and partnerships. And my first guest today is one of those matchmakers. Yep, matchmaking has made a comeback. Christina Pineda is co-founder and executive matchmaker at Matchmakers in the City. After studying at Oxford University, Pineda achieved her master's degree. With her years of professional matchmaking experience, Christina utilizes strategy and critical eye while working with her clients. A Matchmaking Institute certified matchmaker and member of the Board of Advisors for the Dating Experts Bureau, Christina has worked with thousands of clients in Los Angeles, New York, San Francisco and the UK. Christina was introduced to her own husband by her sister and co-founder Alessandra. She got married in April and of 2017, so she's just celebrated uh, a year's anniversary and is enjoying her life as a newlywed. Welcome. Thank you so much, Lisa. It's so great to speak with you. Well, I can't wait to get into this conversation because Um, Back in the day, and we're talking practically like another century or literally another century, um, Mm -hmm. matchmaking was the methodology by which many people made their love connection. Yes, yes, you're right. Talk a little bit about the process, the history of matchmaking, and then how it contrasts with dating and hooking up in a digital age. Sure. Well, in previous times... I guess it it just, there were more boundaries to meet people. And families were 
I guess, closer with each other. You, you wanted to introduce your daughter or son to someone who you already knew and just there's this whole filtering process that would go on and yes there were matchmakers and as you can think of everyone when they meet me sings the matchmaker matchmaker make me a match from Fiddler on the Roof which is great. Um, so there were matchmakers, especially in different communities like Jewish communities and Indian communities. It's a very much a part of those cultures. But really, the the matchmaking would also happen with, within families and moms and dads would do it. And as I mentioned, there was a lot of filtering of potential suitors, whereas nowadays there's a shift because a lot of times people are living in cities by themselves. The daughters and sons are living in cities by themselves in their own apartments or with a roommate, whatever it is. But there isn't daddy at the door preventing, preventing bad boys from coming in. <laughs> so that is actually an issue nowadays. And you, there's so many ways of connecting and meeting people which is great, but there's very little filtering that goes on in those methods. And that's why people come to matchmakers in the city because they want that, just the curated match. They want the, the person, a man or woman for them who is someone who is background checked, who has a clean record, who's actually genuinely looking for love, not just to hook up. You really don't know if you're just meeting online or meeting on an app. However, there are success stories. I don't mean to to say it doesn't work for some people, but people really have turned to us because they want some of that old school charm and just that in-person connection that is lost nowadays. So it's bringing back the art of live connection and relationship between the matchmaker and the parties who are looking for that special mate. And I love what you said about it being a curated experience. So, for example, somebody would come to you who perhaps they've been married before. Perhaps they have a family, their children are on their way and they're looking for love again. What would the experience be like to, to come and see you? Yes, well, that happens quite frequently. And we work with just every, about every single age from being 21 to, to 70s and even early 80s sometimes, depending on the person. But generally, um, it's more people who, who have recently been divorced or are in there. So I would say the most common ages that we work with are 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and early 60s. That's, I guess, the general the general age bracket that we work within. But it is difficult for people who are emerging into the dating market, into this culture that I just explained, from having the experience that I mentioned before of of meeting people through introductions of family members or matchmakers and emerging into a place where there are no boundaries. So it is kind of like a relearning for people who have been divorced or widowed that they, that they come to us that the date coaching element is huge in what we do to help them to navigate the tricky dating waters. 
Well, I think you make a really good point that part of the role of a modern matchmaker is this coaching aspect of teaching people who have been out of the marketplace, you know, somebody who's older and and perhaps has gone through a divorce or who has lost a spouse to death. Um, to learn that protocol all over again, where you're used to being in that relationship that was kind of like the the comfortable <laughs> tennis shoe. Yes, that is so true. And I think something that is also important, it's even if someone is in a relationship, we, we're chatting about this a little bit before, but even if someone's still in a relationship, they come, they might come to us for relationship coaching because a lot of the same elements in dating apply to keeping your relationship alive and fresh in a marriage or in just any any phase of a relationship really because when it becomes too comfortable then people start to lose that just the the love feeling that they've had before and love ebbs and flows it's not something that's the same all the time but there're definitely things that we date coach people that are tools that I always say this these are tools that you're not only going to to need for dating you're going to use these in your your boyfriend girlfriend relationship you'll use it in engagement and then also in marriage these are things that you'll have forever that's why this isn't just to get it. when you come to matchmakers in the city it's not just about okay we're going to going to give you a great guy and then that's it. No, this is sustainable growth and sustainable change. We like to use the analogy of, okay, a third world country that there has very little water. You could either go in, give a, a child a water bottle, or you could help the town build a well and then they have sustainable water through for many, many, many years. And that's what we're doing here. We're teaching people those skills so that they can use them over and over again. Sometimes they need a, we all need a little refresher. But yeah. And the you know the refresher that I see is so key to this whole thing is emotional and social intelligence. You know like teaching people how to articulate their feelings, how to identify and read the room or read another person, how to maintain one's own identity and self-esteem when you're embarking on attempting to merge with another person, right? To form a partnership. Yes. Yes, that is completely true. And that is something that we have to really work with people. That's why it's not just about getting the matches here at Matchmakers in the City. We are full service matchmakers because a lot of people need that coaching in order to enter into and sustain a healthy relationship. Because one of the things that causes the most unhappiness in life for people is that singleness time and relationships just can be a very common cause of unhappiness. And then Someone might say, oh, a matchmaker is the, can solve all my unhappiness issues just if I have a, the perfect man or the perfect woman, then that will go away. But that's not true. That's a lie. It's yeah. no one person can fulfill you. And yes, there is a normal, if someone is called to the married life, there is that craving inside or that longing for a future husband or future wife. But it's there isn't also you're able to have joy without a man or a woman. It, it has to be that we, 
people have to understand that as they're being matched. And that's what we work on a lot of times as well. So it speaks to that self-esteem place, you know, happiness being an inside job, which is so much of what we focus on the show Mm -hmm. here that, you know, when you have two people who come together who are each individually happy within themselves, content with the kind of person that they are as an individual, it's a lot more easy to attract and stay connected to somebody who's also in that space because you're two complete beings that are coming together. Exactly. And the thing is, the only the only one who can really fulfill us is God, is the Lord. And we can't, people can't expect another person to fill them completely. Or it's normal to have a longing, even if you're married, to have a little, because we're not, this is, this life is not the end all, be all end all. So just for people to understand that is really kind of like a, a journey and an exciting one at that because when they're coming here they're 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 delving deep more deeply into themselves and into the existence of their lives and their identity we are going to jump off to a break and when we come back we'll carry on the conversation with christina panetta who is the co-founder and executive matchmaker at matchmakers in the city to learn more please visit www.matchmakersinthecity.com you can connect with the team at matchmakers itc and on facebook that page is matchmakers in the city here comes that break we'll be right back and that is a promise Wait just a sec. Before we head to the break, I want to share a cool health product with you. Let's be real. Going to the doctor is terrible, and finding time to get important lab testing done is almost impossible. Plus, this process is tedious and expensive. But now you can complete your testing from the comfort of home, thanks to EverlyWell. EverlyWell is an at-home health testing company that offers a variety of tests, ranging from food sensitivity to metabolism to thyroid functioning. The tests are private, simple, and all processed through certified labs. All you have to do is head on over to everlywell.com, choose your tests, and they'll be shipped directly to your doorstep. Then once you complete your sample collection and send it back to Everlywell certified labs, they'll process your sample and send you your results via Everlywell's secure online platform within just five days. Everlywell takes all the guesswork out of lab testing and puts the power into your hands to complete a range of important health tests all from home. I ordered the sleep and stress test because I'm writing a book about the relationship between good sleep, stress management, and well-being, and I wanted to know more about my stress hormones. The process was easy peasy. Four steps, register, prep, collect, and return. My lab report will be delivered any day now. So no more sitting around in waiting rooms. Head on over to everlywell.com and use the promo code HAPPINESS to take 15% off your first order. Once again, head to everlywell.com and don't forget the promo code HAPPINESS at checkout for 15% off of your first order. Take control of your health today with Everlywell's at-home health tests. Now here comes the break. We'll be right back and that's a promise. We know that life can be tough and that happiness can and does live alongside adversity. Connect with us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and follow Lisa on Twitter at Lisa Kamen for a daily dose of inspiration. We'll be right back after this quick break. Do you find yourself saying things like, I'll be happy when, or I'll be happy if... Does the finish line for happiness keep moving? 
Does the bar keep getting higher? What's getting in the way of your happiness right now? Too much going on? Working too much? Not working enough? Having too many responsibilities? Not having enough money, enough time, enough space? The list goes on and on. It becomes difficult to see all that we have if we focus on scarcity. One thing I know for certain, happiness waits for no one. And sometimes we all need support. Are We Happy Yet? is not another self-help book. It's a guidebook for learning how to harvest happiness through self-mastery, which is the key ingredient into building resilience, hardiness, grit, and emotional stability. Are We Happy Yet? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life is available at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, IndieBound, and HarvestingHappiness.com. Each day we get to choose how we are going to show up for life. And at times we need tips for strengthening our well-being. Learn training strategies for greater emotional fitness and improved mental muscle tone at HarvestingHappiness.com. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. Before we continue with our show today, I want to mention something that is really, really important to me, something I'm super passionate about, and that is yoga. I've been practicing yoga for nearly 20 years. Yoga is my go-to activity for a sound mind, body, and spirit. Yoga is also my personal antidepressant. But the challenge is finding the time to do yoga with a busy schedule that includes international travel. Luckily, our proud sponsor, Yoga International, has solved that dilemma with more than 1,500 of the best yoga classes, courses, and challenges available on demand and on the go. So whether you are just starting out or a seasoned yogi, you can find a great class from the comfort and convenience of wherever you are 24-7 on any digital device. Yoga International is an affordable and growing online community of more than 300,000 members that serves all levels and abilities. Classes are portable, fit your schedule, and less expensive and way more convenient than traditional studios. So come join me on the mat to practice, learn, and be inspired by a variety of styles, including vinyasa, hatha, yoga for beginners, restorative, kundalini, and yin. And here's the best part. Listeners of Harvesting Happiness can learn and practice with some of the best yoga teachers in the world right now for free. Yep, that's right. Free Yoga International is gifting a free 30-day trial membership at yogainternational.com slash happiness. So grab your mat and get your 30-day free trial of Yoga International at yogainternational.com slash happiness. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. If you're just joining us now, I urge you to download and share this podcast because sharing is caring and it's kind, free, legal, available 24-7. And we're talking about Modern Matchmaking with Christina Panetta, who is the co-founder and executive matchmaker at Matchmakers in the City. So, Christina, prior to the break, we were talking a little bit about happiness being sort of an internal construct and that no one relationship or person can make us happy. That if we are not in a state of personal contentment within ourselves, it makes it pretty difficult to find um, a sustainable, solid, healthy relationship. Right. That's completely true. And I'm just thinking about the most successful people who work with us in terms of finding love. And we do have a very high success rate, but the most successful people are the ones who are positive and who have done work on themselves and who are coming into the experience 
experience, expecting to just have a good time, being open-hearted, open-minded, enjoying the day, the matches that we, who we match them with, and kind of being light about it rather than this has to work, otherwise my life is over. Those, the people who are more of the victimizers and who blame everyone for them, blame the matchmakers or blame the dates, whatever it is for their, their unhappiness, those memberships are the most challenging and sometimes don't work because it is so much of that internal work that needs to happen. And I'm just thinking about one of our lovely bachelorettes who is in a, a beautiful relationship with actually the first man who we matched her with. And she's one of the first categories. She came into it very positive, but still, it's not like she hasn't been through difficult relationships in the past. She, she had patterns. And we really worked through the pattern of what was going on. And she would have year upon year relationships and then it would end. And we, we talked about why that was happening. And, and then she ended up going and doing a membership, as I mentioned, and meeting an incredible man. And now they're together and she's changed a lot of those patterns. But even so, she was just, she was just such a delight to work with. And she said, whatever happens, I'm enjoying this and I know that it's bringing me closer in my relationship with God as well as a deeper understanding of myself and, and just a journey and an adventure. It's interesting because I think that approach, that attitude and perspective is um, a predictor of one's life experience. Right. In other words, if you're seeing the world as a hospitable place and that it is filled with the possibility of love and that you see yourself as a loving person, potential partner, and the world is a hospitable place, as I mentioned, you're more likely to end up partnering with somebody, the right person. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's, it's, it's also just allowing yourself to be open to love that you might not expect. And I say this because sometimes people have gone through traumatic situations and yeah, there are wolves out there. I'm not going to sugarcoat this. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And women who are not good for you. But at the same time, to, to just realize that those were experiences you learned from them, they weren't right. But to kind of almost take yourself out of that situation and not judge all men because this one man hurt you in that way. And also something that's really interesting that I've been talking to one of our bachelorettes this week is in her forties and she had just gone through a string of relationships, bad relationships with men. And she was repeating a lot of difficult family dynamics in these relationships. And she would connect initially with a man because he had gone through a similar upbringing, traumatic upbringing that she did. So she would find this immediate spark with these men, Mm. but a lot of times they hadn't done the work on themselves that she had done on herself. 
and the relief this would just happen over and over man after man and she other men who she wasn't connecting with and she didn't feel that chemistry with immediately she would dismiss and she would think okay I don't have it with him I have an amazing I've, I've experienced amazing connections this is not it so I'm just gonna move on from the good guys generally usually <laughs> the ones yeah <laughs> Those of us that like the bad boys, you know, when a good boy comes along, it's hard. You know, it's like, oh, he's so nice. What do you yeah. do with so nice? <laughs> <laughs> right. right. And and even if they might not even know exactly, they might be wary of any man, even if he is that nice. But little by little, just knowing that in the beginning, especially first date, there's Usually, if it's the right man for you, it's not going to be fireworks. I'm just being honest, and I have to tell this over and over again to our bachelors and bachelorettes, but especially the women, because a lot of people are conditioned to thinking that unless you have that Hollywood experience, then move on, because it's easy to move on to the next swipe. But typically, so often, our bachelors and bachelorettes, well, are, they'll tell us, Oh, it's kind of a lukewarm date. I don't know if I want to go out with him again. And then we encourage them, please give it a second chance. Everyone's nervous on first date. And then when they do, we've had so many just marriages from from that. They give the man a chance. They see his true personality come out. And then little by little, they're able to trust. You, trust is not immediate. It has to be earned and it has to be little by little. It's like peeling an onion when you're getting to know someone. Little by little, you're revealing more, but always maintaining boundaries, um, the boundaries that a rela- the release kind of relationship require uh, because you don't want to give away too much too soon. Otherwise, you do have that that fire, that amazing connection, but a lot of times it, it's um, like a wildfire. It goes yeah. constantly and then it, you need to burn it out. You need to um, damp it down because it's too much. And then the relationship burns. You know, also, as you're speaking, what comes to mind is risk management, right? Like that by going to a matchmaker, you're mitigating some of the risk. There are no guarantees. Um, and you are also learning to take healthy risks. And if we come from a pattern where there is some some heavy baggage in the background and we're able to work with that and then arrive to the party with this sort of curious perspective, I can see that the risk becomes more easy to embark upon. Yes, that is completely true. And it really can be one of those things that, and I was actually listening to one of your podcasts from a few years ago, Lisa, and you were talking to this doctor who said that one of, he had this group of people together and a woman immediately saw this this tall man who was a former alcoholic and she just dismissed him basically she wouldn't talk to him and he asked her why did you do that and it was because her former I think her her ex-husband or something like that had those issues and she judged him based on that even though he had no anger problems whatsoever and very often that will people will come in to matchmaking and not all the time as I mentioned we have we work with incredible people, but sometimes people will have these prejudices and say, okay, deal breaker, deal breaker, I don't want that, can't, 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 can't. 
And it's just about experiences that they've had with people with similar characteristics, but those aren't true for everyone. It's more superficial. Well, we have this visceral memory, right? And and, the, and because the brain has a negativity bias, we carry forward all those things that we don't want from those prior relationships. And like mm-hmm. our trip, our trip wires are are flipped, you know, or or or, or, or touched when we see that, you know, particularly in the case where there's been substance abuse or violence um, in the fi- in the family history. I think that that becomes um, at the forefront of the of the ch- checking off what we don't want. Right. And of course, there are certain things that you want as deal breakers. And it's good to have certain deal breakers. But we always encourage our clients to do a list of five internal qualities that they're looking for in their future wife or their future husband. And to really let those be their backbone throughout the journey. And that other things can be a little more flexible. And... (laughs) I'm laughing because as you're talking, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I have a girlfriend. Oh, sure. Her name sure. is Sherry. I'm just going to call her Sherry for this okay. conversation. Sherry's in Great. her early 60s. She goes, my only requirement is that they have hair. <laughs> no, I'm like, you're an easy mark, girl. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> she says, really? If they, if they don't have hair, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. But, I mean, she's being, you know, facetious and, and, and shallow, but, you know, it's, yeah. it's funny. Nonetheless, it is. It is. And it's different for men and for women. Men are very just visual creatures. And it's important that they're very attracted. It just and women have to be attracted as well. But there are other things that are extremely attractive for women that don't always include the physical appearance. Yes. Like humor. Mm hmm. Humor always at the top on the list. Yeah. um, A lot of times. And just and stable career is also really important for most you know, women. Hit, hit the hit the top the top criteria. We we don't have that much time left, but I would love for you to 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 share like sort of the top five things that that men look for in women and women look for in uh, men. Great. Okay, I'm going to start with men because we just talk about this every single day because women don't know this. <laughs> I want them to. So men, just simple. When they come in, this is just so prevalent. They want a woman who is passionate about something else in her life other than him. That's, and a lot of women have that already, which is great, but they just, they don't want a woman who's dropping everything for him, even though women might think, oh, I have to be accommodating for him. No, obviously to have a relationship, you have to make time for the person, but he wants a woman with, who has her own life. So that's number one. Number two, they love femininity. This is huge, especially because there are so many amazing girl bosses out there who, who are rocking at their careers and doing amazing things. But it is that little relearning, that femininity that they have inside. But during the day, we're power women. We have to get things done. So that femininity is huge. We're going to take a break. And before we do, I want to give contact information for my guest today, Christina Panetta. To learn more about her work, please visit www.matchmakersinthecity.com, on Twitter at MatchmakersITC, and on Facebook, Matchmakers in the City. Here come the tunes. We'll be right back. Nothing gives happiness like a free gift. 
Unwrap your present by signing up for Happiness Headlines, our monthly e-zine at HarvestingHappiness.com. Stay tuned for more after the break. One thing I know for certain, happiness waits for no one, and sometimes we all need support. We all have the freedom to be happy or the liberty to be miserable each day, regardless of external circumstance. Sure, things will inevitably happen in our lives that are out of our control. There is only ever one thing that is totally within our control, ourselves. When we have command of ourselves, we are better prepared to handle life and bounce back more quickly when challenges arise. Whether you see the glass as half empty or half full, the glass has the capacity to hold more. You have the capacity to be happier. The tool to harvesting your happiness is within your grasp. Are we happy yet? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life is available at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, IndieBound, and HarvestingHappiness.com. Each day we get to choose how we are going to show up for life. And at times we need tips for strengthening our well-being. Learn training strategies for greater emotional fitness and improved mental muscle tone at HarvestingHappiness.com. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. I'm glad you're still with us because we're talking about modern matchmaking. Our theme today is Matchmaker, Matchmaker, Make Me a Match, Tales of Love and Romance. And my next guest has quite the story about that. My guest today is Penrose Halson, who was 25 and still unmarried. Her mother sent her to the Catherine Allen Marriage and Advice Bureau. 20 years later, after a career in teaching, writing, and editing, she and her management consultant husband, Bill, took over that very same bureau. They additionally acquired the Marriage Bureau, which had been set up in 1939 by two 24-year-olds. As Bill had predicted, matchmaking suited Penrose down to the ground, and they remained happily in touch with many of their former clients who visit with them in London. Welcome, Penrose. Happy to have you here. And I'm very happy to be with you. Let's talk about the Marriage Bureau, because this is quite a story. If you think back to the 30s and how, how marriages were made, um, it a, was a very different era than what we're experiencing now. Oh, totally different, totally. And uh, people uh, were not accustomed at all to having a matchmaker, not an official one, because people like mothers and aunts and so on and your normal social circle really were the instruments of your finding somebody to marry. So these two girls who set up in, in 1939 were doing something dramatically different. And, and people were amazed. Oh, I, I would say it was uh, downright forward thinking because in the past it had, had only been by referral, right? Marriages were made because they were uh, smart arrangements, not necessarily for love, and these girls were going to do it a different way. Yes, yes. They, they had a very specific objective at first. They were trying to find wives for men British men stuck out in places like India and Africa, supporting the British Empire. And those men, when they were single, needed desperately to find a wife because they were completely love-starved and sex-starved and on their own. And they used to sail out to England on their leave to find a wife. And if they didn't find one, they had to take the ship back again and have another seven years of loneliness. 
So these two girls set up for them. But because war broke out five months later and the press seized on these girls and thought they were wonderful and wrote them up, masses and masses of other people, all kinds of people, came to the Bureau as well. And it just took off like a rocket. Wow. So talk a little bit about um, how the founders wanted to help these expatriate men. You mentioned that these were men that were living um, in, in, in colonized lands. They were coming home on leave, seeking a wife. So, <coughs> excuse me. So it was quite a whirlwind. These men would come back to, to England and be seeking a wife fairly quickly. So there wasn't a lot of time to dawdle. No. And people did at the time marry much more quickly than than they do now. Um, people were looking for fairly basic things. You know, they, uh, a, a man of, of character with integrity, honesty, whatever, they weren't looking for great soulmates. And I mean, one woman wrote, um, I like Mr. Johnson pretty well, so I think we might as well get married. And, and they did, <laughs> just like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty well. He's like, he'll, he's okay. It's okay. It's going to work. Yes, and if the basics were there, that, that's what they were, were after. Not, um, it, you know, great uh, romantic fantasies and, and, and huge demands. Just, just something fairly... Well, there was one man who said um, he, want, he wanted Marilyn Monroe with homely ways. <laughs> so he wanted both glamour and domesticity, but most of them just wanted somebody a, a good sort, a reliable person. Companionship. Oh, I mean, isn't that what we're, what we all want at the end of the day? Is that that has never changed? The style with which we go about finding that person might have changed over the years or evolved, but the quest is still for partnership and connection. Yes. Oh, yes. But I think nowadays there's much more emphasis on on people's looks, on style, rather than the the, the substance of the person. Um, and also people want somebody that, you know, compliments them in, in all aspects of life, which wasn't the case then. It was just very fundamental, somebody with a, a, a good job, a home, bearing in mind it was wartime, and security was, was paramount. You know, somebody, people were losing their, their, their house to bombs, they were being, um, losing their family, they were losing limbs, they were, it, it, it was a time of huge loss, and so... Just the basic compensations were, were what somebody wanted in a partner. When you talk about the Marriage Bureau, the true story of how two matchmakers arranged love in wartime London, talk a little bit about the two 24-year-olds and the community that they drew to the Bureau. So if they didn't come from a home where the social circle was uh, very, very large, um, I'm assuming that these girls would then come to the agency. Yes. Well, they, the agency was remarkable in, in as much as it attracted all kinds of people. Um, some of them there were rat catchers, earls, you know, mannequins, debutantes, uh, ladies' maids, um, all classes. Uh, there was a man who owned a factory making artificial limbs. There was a, a matron at a school for blind boys. There was a cowman in charge. Heather Jenner didn't know what nurse that meant because she was not a country girl. But they had people from the country, they had people from the town, from different, different uh, countries, lots of Americans, especially after the Americans um, entered the war in December 1941. And uh, Heather Jenner <laughs> explained why. She said, um, British 
girls like American men because they are friendly and more attentive to their wives than English men, and they pay more attention to the little things that count, and they're very handy in the kitchen. Oh. <laughs> I don't know whether <laughs> that's, that's true. Great. American men. No. <laughs> so what she thought in- then. With the two agencies, the Catherine Allen Marriage and Advice Bureau, and then the um, the the agency, the Marriage Bureau, uh, I'm assuming you have a lot of archives. That you have all the files, you have photographs, you've got some wonderful memorabilia. Oh yes, that's 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 how I managed to write the book because I've got um, photographs, press cuttings, books, ledgers, um, registration forms. Um, Heather Jenner herself wanted to be a writer, and she would have been if she hadn't set up the marriage bureau, but she did write five books, and she also wrote down all sorts of things in impossibly illegible handwriting. It took a lot of work to work it out, but letters, notebooks, wedding telegrams, I've got a mountain of stuff. The difficulty was um, sorting and refining from this mass of, of things. And we're going to take a break in a moment, a really quick one. But before we go, I want to go back to something I mentioned in your bio, that you were 25 and still unmarried. But it wasn't until you were, I believe it was 41, that you did marry. And I want to sort of uh, chat with you about that, because you, you you are a young woman still. But at the time when you were of marrying age, it was not fashionable to be unmarried. Would you, you no, agree? Quite, yeah, oh yes. That, that's why my mother sent me off to the marriage bureau. I was getting very much on the shelf. And in fact, yes. I didn't marry till I was 48. I met Bill when I was 41, married at 48. <laughs> and it's very nice of you to say I'm still a young woman, but I don't think so. <laughs> ah, I well, I think after. so. It's young at heart. Let's take that break to learn more <laughs> about Penrose Halson. Please uh, see her on Facebook, Penrose Halson Author. On Twitter, you can find her at Penrose Halson. We're going to take that break. We'll be right back. Who says money can't buy happiness? Check out Lisa's new book, Are We Happy Yet? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life and other fun, fashionable, and inspiring items at shophappy at harvestinghappiness.com. We'll be right back after this quick break. find yourself saying things like, I'll be happy when, or I'll be happy if. Does the finish line for happiness keep moving? Does the bar keep getting higher? What's getting in the way of your happiness right now? Too much going on? Working too much? Not working enough? Having too many responsibilities? Not having enough money, enough time, enough space? The list goes on and on. It becomes difficult to see all that we have if we focus on scarcity. One thing I know for certain, happiness waits for no one. And sometimes we all need support. Are We Happy Yet? is not another self-help book. It's a guidebook for learning how to harvest happiness through self-mastery, which is the key ingredient into building resilience, hardiness, grit, and emotional stability. Are We Happy Yet? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life is available at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, IndieBound, and HarvestingHappiness.com. Each 
day, we get to choose how we are going to show up for life. And at times, we need tips for strengthening our well-being. Learn training strategies for greater emotional fitness and improved mental muscle tone at HarvestingHappiness.com. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. If you're just joining us now, I urge you to download and share this podcast because we're talking about the quest for partnership through mating, matchmaking, and marriage. And my guest today is Penrose Halson. She is the author of The Marriage Bureau, the true story of how two matchmakers arranged love in wartime London. And if you're just tuning in now, um, my guest Penrose Halson and the author of the book was starting to talk about her own marriage. She was 25 and her mother had sent her to the Catherine Allen Marriage and Advice Bureau that she later purchased 20 years later, but did not marry herself until she was in her 40s. Penrose, talk a little bit about the courtship between you and Bill. <laughs> well, it was quite funny, really. Um, it happened because my mother put me in touch with an advertisement in the Mensa magazine from a man wanting a room in London, and I had a spare room in my flat. And Bill came along, and I thought he was perfectly nice, but he said he didn't want the room. And then a few weeks later, he rang me at the office, and we went out to dinner, and I thought this was a very bad idea, because if, if he changed his mind about having the room, and I liked him, it wasn't a very good idea to be uh, in any way romantically involved. And if I didn't like him, I didn't want him in the flat anyway. And he... Um, um, when, when I was um, when I was away, he was there, and vice versa. And after about a few years, our paths crossed more, and we ended up getting married. Fabulous, fabulous story. So, what are your favorite parts of the book? What are maybe a couple of your most favorite stories uh, from the Marriage Bureau? The true story of how two matchmakers arranged love in wartime London. Well, there's a very sad one and, and, a, and a lovely one. And the sad one is about a, a man who met through the Bureau in the middle 40, no, in 1947. Um, he met a woman who he loved dearly and she did him. But his parents disapproved and thought she was much too low class for him. And in the end, desperately sadly, he committed suicide because he knew that his parents would ruin his marriage if he did go ahead. So that was awful. But the, and the happy one, there's lots of happy ones, but this particular one is about a young woman called Myrtle who was in a, in a sorry state. She was an orphan. She had no money. She had no education, as most women didn't, no job, therefore. She lived with a, a godmother in her 90s. She dressed in hand-me-downs and cast-offs, and she turned up at the marriage bureau and Mary Oliver, the partner of Heather Jenner in the Bureau, took her in hand, threw all her clothes into a dustbin, and got her completely redressed, and she looked absolutely lovely when she was finished. And she started to meet men and flirted with them so outrageously that they, she actually put them off because they thought she was much too fast. But she ended up <laughs> marrying an Irishman whom she met on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, and on Friday and she married him. And they, that was in London, and they both set off back to Ireland and, as far as we know, lived very happily together. So that was, that was oh. a delightful story. There's lots of stories. Oh, that, that is a wonderful story. Um, if you were to give advice to young people, or maybe not so young people, of marrying or remarrying age, as the case may be in modern times, what would you say are the key components to look for in a mate 
um, that may not be so obvious. You know, we all know the obvious ones. Oh, they should have an intelligence and good humor and loyalty and things like this. But what are some, uh, some other qualities that might not be so apparent? Well, I think an awful lot of it boils down to having similar values, the things that you, you both think are important. I'm not talking about interests. You know, you can have two people who are passionate about playing squash, but frankly, if one of them is competitive and the other isn't, it can it can be disastrous. Um, but if you both cherish the same um, attitudes to to people, to life in general, I think that's extraordinarily important and very very bonding, and it will stand you in in great stead um, through through the years because it will also enable you to to stick with the, with the tough times as, as well as the good. Um, and I also think that, that liking each other's friends, they don't have to like all of them, but having a lot of friends in, in common and really liking them is, again, it's, it's a very bonding thing. It's to do with what, what matters to you and what matters to your friends is likely to matter to your partner. If it doesn't, then I think you need to beware. What are some of your greatest pleasures now? You've written this book, you've, you've sold the agency, and you and Bill are on a different trajectory now. What are you doing? How, how, do, you, how do you keep your romance alive? Um, <laughs> I don't know. Um, <laughs> probably Bill would know. I mean, it's not something we sort of consciously do at all. Um, we've always done a lot together. I mean, running the Bureau was a, 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 a marvellous thing to do together. I mean, Bill did all the, the dreary stuff, which I can't cope with, like the, the finances and the VAT and the taxes and all that stuff, and the advertising. He, he got wonderful, funny cartoons um, to advertise the Bureau with, which made it stood out from all the usual things, which is, you know, shows executives drinking champagne. Well, you know, so what? Um, and I enjoyed... Um, his advertisement and so on, and he he listened to me wittering on about some of the clients, particularly the difficult ones. So we had a lot of interest and fun with that, and we still do with clients that we're still in touch with. And many of them are extremely good friends. Really, uh, it, it's been a, a, a great blessing. And we're both extremely busy. We do different things. I mean, Bill uh, runs Victorian Music Hall. I don't whether you know what Music Hall is, like Variety. Um, show, ah. and uh, which I love too, and he's helped me enormously with the book and with things like this radio broadcast, um, which I haven't done much before. So we we're always doing something, and that in London there's never any shortage of of, of music, of exhibitions, of of friends, of all sorts of things. So we have a very good time together. Oh, it, it sounds like you are in such a beautiful phase of life. I mean, this book is an absolute delight. Mm -hmm. When I first read about the book coming out, I thought, oh, this is a very, it's a very tender story, you know, uh, during a, a time mm -hmm. in history where um, survival was probably the number one goal, not, not happiness, not romance, and to be able to mm -hmm find a, a, a partner and create a life with another person was really offering such a great service. Mm. You're absolutely right. It was survival was, was the critical thing. And as, you know, a, a, one woman wrote that she wanted a, 
a man um, of character and decency. She said, I do not mind if he is a war rep. But the, the critical thing was somebody good, really good, and that you could have as your, your personal ally. And um, that was, you know, it's very fundamental. And it, I think it very often, that's what worked. It comes back to the values. Yeah, and, and I guess... The, the values and the timelessness of, of, of romance, you know, that whether it's 1947 or 2017 and beyond, um, the pursuit mm-hmm. is to be connected. Yes, yes, it's to belong and to be connected and to not to be on your own. Yeah, and we're not, we're not meant to be, we're not meant to be on our own completely. Yes, we are responsible for our own well-being and our own happiness from within, but ultimately that happiness comes from having these good, connected, loving relationships where we do belong. Yes, yes. That's why I think the, 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 the husband, the wife, the friends, the family, it, 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 it's without that we're, we're, we're lost. Yes. The book, once again, is The Marriage Bureau, The True Story of How Two Matchmakers Arranged Love in Wartime London. I highly recommend this book. It is absolutely enchanting, as is my guest and its author, Penrose Halson. To learn more, you can find her on Twitter at Penrose Halson and on Facebook, Penrose Halson Author. Penrose, is there a website for you or for the book? Yes. There is. It's, it's www.penrosehalson, all one word, P-E-N-R-O-Z-H-A-L-S-O-N dot com. Once and again, that's penrosehalson.com. And the book we've been speaking of is The Marriage Bureau, The True Story of How Two Matchmakers Arranged Love in Wartime London. Penrose, thank you for joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio and sharing your story. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. We have flown through another hour of purpose-driven media designed to inspire and delight you, our listeners, to create more joy in your lives and within your communities. Here are a few thoughts before we part. Happiness is not a destination. It cannot be bought, sold, or traded. Happiness will never invite you to the party. It simply comes down to a choice to show up each and every day in the world with passion, purpose, place, and meaning. Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. This is Lisa Cypress-Kamen and my guest today, Christina Panetta and Penrose Halson, wishing you kind thoughts, kinder words, and the kindest of actions. Until next time, remember, happiness is an inside job. Happiness is your inside job. Go out and rock your day. Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio with Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Join us each and every Wednesday for a brand new episode of consciously curated talk radio from the heart. Keep harvesting your own happiness anytime from the comfort of wherever you are with hundreds of free downloadable podcasts from our libraries on Toginet, iTunes, and SoundCloud. In a complicated world seemingly driven by nonstop negative news, Lisa's mission is to celebrate the upside of life and seek the silver lining of our challenges by transforming them into uplifting growth opportunities for all. To learn more about Lisa's global consulting services, please visit HarvestingHappiness.com. Spread more joy by liking us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and following Lisa on Twitter at Lisa Kamen. Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio is produced in collaboration with Toginet Radio, KBUU, RadioMalibu.net.
and is available on PRX, the public radio exchange.